14. Are you from verse 14 to 21? Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 14 to 21. Matthew 14, from verse 14 to 21. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them. And he healed their sick. Verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy, and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. And took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples. And the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Amen. Amen. The topic we're going to be discussing very briefly this afternoon is Jesus is the solution. Amen. Tell somebody Jesus, Jesus. is the solution. As if you mean it, say Jesus, Jesus is, the is the solution. Jesus not only is the solution, but he has a solution to every problem. Everyone. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Anybody knows what it says? Jesus Christ the same. And today and forever. We should all have that, that verse where? We should know that passage. That's the, the, the what is it? Is it the, is it the motto? Is it the theme of this ministry? What's the word? Somebody help me. Is it the motto? Okay. It's our watchword in the redeemed Christian church of God. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and for in other words what jesus did yesterday not only is he able to do today he's still doing and not only is he able to do tomorrow he will continue to do it so jesus always has a solution even when men think it's an impossible situation his life and ministry like we discussed last week i believe were predicated on dispelling the notion of impossibility because of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus Christ came to prove that nothing is impossible. Tell somebody nothing <coughs> is impossible. In Luke chapter 1, verse 34 to 35, we know that passage very well. Luke chapter 1, verse 34 to verse 35. Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? Because the angel was telling her that she will have a child. 
And she said, I'm not married. I don't know a man. How is this possible? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Tell somebody the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. In paradventure, the person doesn't want the Holy Ghost. Tell the person, the Holy Ghost shall come upon me. As if you mean it. Say, the Holy Ghost shall come upon me. Because when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, impossible situations become what? They become possible. That was what happened to Mary. He said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. In other words, embedded in the Holy Ghost is what? The power of the highest. That's why in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus Christ said, you shall receive power. Afterward, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In order for you to receive power, you must receive who? The Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost in you that brings forth the power. When we, when, when we used to study biology, or when I used to study biology, I know our children are still studying it. There's something in the cell that is called a mitochondrion. Does it still exist? I don't because the biology today might be different from the one we studied. The mitochondrion is the powerhouse of the cell. The energy of the cell is derived from where? From the mitochondrion. In like manner, the power of the Trinity is embedded in the Holy Ghost. If you are going to manifest the power of the Most High, if you will demonstrate the power of the Most High, somebody must come upon you. Who is that person? The Holy Ghost. That was what the angel said unto uh, Mary. He said, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And after he has come upon you, he said, the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And then you will do the impossible. I speak to somebody's life here today, you will do the impossible. I said, you will do the impossible. Because what they call impossibility is not actually impossible. It's only impossible for man. Is that not so? But with God, it is possible. Our God is the impossibility specialist. God goes around looking for impossible situations. And when he finds them, he begins to address them. And maybe you are in such a situation right now. Because the Holy Ghost will come upon you. That impossibility will be turned around. Amen. I said that will but because Luke chapter 1, verse 37, we know it. It says, For with God, nothing shall be impossible. It's only impossible before it comes to God. The moment that situation comes to the living God, it becomes what? It not only becomes possible, it becomes easy. Tell somebody it is easy. You know, somebody will just, oh, just like that. Have you heard that statement before? Just like that? In my language, they say, Were. I'm speaking in tongues now. Were. God just does it briefly. And it is done. It is done for you in Jesus' name. I say, It is done for you in Jesus' name. In the passage that we have read, brethren, in that passage, that we read, the people needed healing. Jesus did not waste time. What did he do? He healed them. Maybe you are in the house today and you need healing. Receive your healing in Jesus' name. Amen. I said receive your healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody pointed out something to me recently. 
if you go through the life of Jesus Christ, you won't see any place where Jesus was praying for healing. Go and check your Bible. Jesus never prayed for healing. But what did he do? He spoke the word. At every point in time, he will speak the word concerning the situation. And I will say, your faith has made you whole. Or he will say, as you have believed, so be it unto you. Or he will just tell the person, rise up and walk. He never wasted time with sicknesses and diseases. I speak unto someone here again today. I say, receive your healing in Jesus' name. I say, from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet, you are made whole in Jesus' name. You just need to receive it. The people were sick and Jesus simply healed them because he had compassion on them. But their problem was not just that they were sick. They were hungry. And because they were hungry and tired, the disciples gave the type of solution that many of us will give. They said, this place is a desert place. There's no... Uh, um, Mag, is it Mag, what do you call that place? There is no KFC around. There is no McDonald's around. There is no Timothy's around. There is no Chicago uh, uh, green chicken around. <laughs> Send them home. Let them go home. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus? What was the answer he gave? He said, "Give them food." You cannot send them home hungry. You need to feed them. See, Jesus Christ did not just heal them. He fed them. But then, to feed them was a Herculean task. How will he feed 5,000 men? And like I've always said, if there were 5,000 men, it means there were 15,000 women. How will he feed them? He said, what do you have? The little that they had was sufficient for what Christ wanted to do. And I want to tell someone here today, the little that you have is more than sufficient for what God wants to do for you. The little that you have is what God will multiply for your sustenance. The little that you have is what God will multiply for your blessings. That ability to multiply what is in your hands, receive it in Jesus' name. I said, receive it in Jesus' name. They were hungry. They were tired. The disciples said, send them home. But Jesus said, feed them. You've come into the house of the Lord today. You will not go empty-handed in Jesus' name. The Bible tells me in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The Bible says, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. Now he said, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. That he might do what? Destroy. Jesus did not come to set aside the work of the devil. But he came to do what? He came to destroy it. Once something is destroyed, you cannot find it again. Amen? Once something is destroyed, it is what? It's destroyed. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Are you still grappling with sin? Maybe you're in the house today. You are still struggling with sin. Whatever be the sin that you are struggling with. Jesus came 
to destroy your struggles. And I speak destruction to those saints today in Jesus' name. Whatever it is in you that is hindering you from achieving divine purpose, I destroy it today in Jesus' name. You know one thing with sin? When we are aligned with the devil, we cannot get rid of sin. If you are still going to bed with the devil, there's no way you can get rid of what? Of sin. That is what it means to live what is called an undulating Christian life. You know what that means? Today you are on top of the mountain. Tomorrow you are where? You are in the valley. There is no sustainable Christian life because you have not made up your mind that it is Jesus and no one else. You have not made up your mind that whatever it will take for me to serve this Jesus gloriously to the end is what I will give to it. Tell someone it is Jesus and no one else. That's the resolution that he desires from you. To make up your mind that you will serve him through to the end. That cross before me the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back, no turning back, I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning no turning back, no turning. You know, John chapter 10, verse 10. says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But look at what Jesus said. He said, I am come that they might have life. Who are the day that he's talking of there? You and I. Jesus came that you might have life. And he did not come to give you ordinary life. Which type of life? abundant life. Jesus did not go through all that he went through so that you go through life managing. He wants you to live abundant life. He wants you to be a testimony. He came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil is a thief. The devil is a killer. And the devil is a destroyer. And that's what he wants to do in the life of those who have not given their lives to Christ. But I congratulate you that you are here today. Tell somebody congratulations. congratulations. You are in the presence of the living God. And so the thief, the killer, the destroyer has no impact upon your life. The devil will make people to walk, accumulate everything that they want. And when it's time for them to start enjoying it, what happens? They will die. Because he's a thief. Because he's a destroyer. Because he kills. He will not lead you astray in Jesus' name. The Bible says, 
Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us, for it is written, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Cause is everyone that hanged on a tree. Jesus could have been, I don't know, in his time, they didn't have gone, right? They didn't have gone, but they had arrows. They could have arrowed him to death, if that's the right word. They could have shot an arrow at him, and he could have died, right? They could have stoned him to death. Why did he have to hang on the cross? Because he was fulfilling prophecy. He was fulfilling destiny. Brethren, everything that Jesus went through is so that you and I may not have to go through those things. He became a cause for us that we might live in the righteousness of Christ. In the book of Numbers, chapter 21, Numbers 21, verse 8 to 9, we'll be running up very soon. Numbers 21, verse 8 to 9. The Bible says, the children of Israel sinned against Moses. And God sent a fiery serpent into the midst of the camp. And the serpent went and was biting them. And they were dying. Until they came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Forgive us. Help us to beg your God. And Moses being the intercessor went before the Lord. And the Lord said, go and make a serpent of brass. Make a serpent of brass. Set it upon a pole. And whosoever look up, look, looks upon it shall do what? Shall live. It was a type of what Christ will come to do for us. In verse 9, the Bible says, Moses made a serpent of brass, put it upon a pole, and it came to pass. If a serpent had beaten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he did what? He lived. Jesus is still the solution. He's the solution to hunger. He's the solution to poverty. He's the solution to sicknesses and diseases. He's the solution to lack. He's the solution to deception. For adventure, why a man or a woman is deceiving you? All you need is a revelation. Receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. All you need is that God opens your eyes to see what he is doing. To see what he has done. The Lord will open your eyes in Jesus' name. Amen. Because the Bible says in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10, the Bible says they will look upon him. Who is he that they will look upon? Jesus Christ. Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. Said they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Remember what we read in Numbers 21, verse 9? As many as looked upon that brazen serpent that was put upon a pole, they lived, they did not die. Then in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, the Bible says, They shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And we see that fulfilled in John chapter 19, verses 36 to 37. John 19, 36 to 37. Say, for these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. He's talking about Jesus. When he was hanging upon the cross, John chapter 19, 36 to 37, when Jesus was hanging upon the cross, the, the soldiers came. They broke the leg of the, 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 the thief on the right. They broke the leg of the thief on the left. But when they came to Jesus, 
they pierced his side. Out of that side flew blood and water. The blood that heals. The water that heals. Because the Bible was, they, they were fulfilling the scriptures. They shall look upon him whom they pierced. And I'm challenging someone here today. Look unto Jesus. Tell somebody, look unto Jesus. It doesn't matter what the problem might be. It doesn't matter what the issue might be. A man of God was speaking and he said one thing. He said, no matter how you do it, no matter which way you take, the answer is still who? It's still Jesus. It's still Jesus. And that's very important. Is the answer to all technological problems. True or false? He's the answer to all biological problems. True or false? He's the answer to uh, what? Academic problems. Whatever be the problem, brethren, go take it to him. Go on your knees and do your own little part. And when you do your own little part, he will come through for you. I pray for someone here today, he will come through for you. I say he will come through for you. That is why in Acts chapter 3 verse 2 to 8, as we round up, Peter was going into the temple with John. And they saw that man, lame from his mother's womb, carried to the beautiful gate of the temple. When he saw Peter and John, he was expecting arms. But Peter looked at that man in verse 4. The Bible says, Peter, Acts chapter 3 verse 4, Peter fastened his eyes upon him. With John said, look on us. Look on us. Why did they say look on us? Because at that point in time, they were the representatives of Jesus on earth. Because at that point in time, they were carrying Jesus. Because at that point in time, Jesus had given them that assignment. And they were ready to carry it through and exercise divine expectation. The Bible says, they shall look upon him. Today, brethren, I give you Jesus who can solve all your problems. Today, I give you Jesus the answer to all situations. Today, I give you Jesus. The one whom, when you fasten your eyes upon him, you cannot fall. You cannot fail. You cannot falter. But the moment you take your eyes off him, what happens? You begin to sink like Peter did. That's the Jesus I'm presenting to you today. He's the answer to all situations. He's the one that can enable you to do what you cannot do. I don't know, I keep, this story keeps coming to my mind. The boy whom they said his father was a professor, his mother was a professor. So he was the son of two professors. But academically, in every class he was, he was always the worst student. When there were 25 students in the class, you know, in Nigeria, where, where I come from, the great students in the class. And they say, you are, this is the best, this is the second, this is the third. So they give them a grade and say, okay, because of your own average, you are the last. When there were 25 students in the class, this boy was the last. He was the 25th. When the class number increased to 35, what was his position? 
35. Just bring anybody, the person will be above him. And yet his father and mother were what? Until one day, they got tired of it and they brought this boy to the man of God, to our general overseer. We don't understand. Where did he get his own gene? But brethren, it was not a matter of gene. It was a matter of the devil. The enemy has touched that boy. And I pray for someone here today. Whatever the enemy has taught in your life, take it back in Jesus' name. Amen. The enemy has touched that boy. And that's why there's nothing they could do that they could excel. But the man of God prayed for that boy. That day marked the end of his failures. Amen. I'm praying for someone here today. Today will mark the end of failure in your life. Amen. From this day onward, you will not fail again. In whatever it is you have been failing, failure is terminated for you today in Jesus' name. Amen. The next examination that that boy did in class, he came first. And the teacher said, no, there must be a mistake. It's not possible. This boy cannot excel academically like this. Look, if you, don't, if you are not careful, you tell him to write his name, he will write it upside down. How come? And so they isolated him. And they gave him a new test. Tell us about the new test. And he scored higher than he scored in the previous examination. Then he knew that of a truth. The only solution had interfered in his situation. Why do you need this intervention today? Is it that you need a job? Or you need a new job? Or is it that you need promotion? Or maybe you want what is called the law of substitution to work for you. Or is it that you need healing? Jesus, the solution, is here today. All you need to do is look upon him. Look upon him. I want us to bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads. Let's bow down our heads. What do you need this morning from Jesus? Look upon him. Look unto him. You've come right now to him. So open your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus, this is what I want from you. Don't limit him. Don't ask for minor things. Don't ask for small things. Open your heart and say, this is what I want from you, Lord Jesus. He's here because of you. He is the solution. He can send somebody to you. He can give you revelations in the dream. That's what he did for Jacob. He gives Jacob the solution to his uh, prosperity in a dream. Up to today, we cannot decode that dream. Joseph did not know of his future. God revealed himself to Joseph in a dream, and it came to pass. What do you want? What do you want this Jesus to do for you? He's the solution, and he's here today. As your solution. Is it healing that you desire? Tell him. Tell him. When God does something, he does it completely and perfectly. Is there something he needs to perfect in your life? Tell him. He's the solution. He's the solution. <laughs>